Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. I've noticed a number of peculiar incidents among the members of the student body, all having to do with rock and roll music. Now, if you don't think this song is the greatest song ever, I will fight you. Greg, the two of us are inundated with so much music that it's easy for some real gems to get buried deep in the pile. Today, we're going to dig them up. I'm Jim DeRogatis from Vocalo.org. And I'm Greg Cotter of the Chicago Tribune. We're going to play our buried treasures and review the latest from pop icon Tom Jones, today on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news. biggest waiting games in digital music the last decade is when are the Beatles, the largest sales force in popular music really, going to get together with the largest sales force in digital music, the iTunes store run by Apple. According to Yoko Ono, that's not going to happen real soon. Despite a lot of rumors, despite a lot of hints from various Beatles members that the inclusion of the Beatles catalog on the iTunes store was imminent, Yoko Ono just gave an interview that said, basically, don't hold your breath for anything. She says, there's just an element that we're not very happy about as people. We are holding out. And she apparently was speaking for all four estates, not just herself and John Lennon's, but for George Harrison's estate, for Paul McCartney, and for Ringo Starr. This is bad news for Beatles fanatics. We're talking about one of the most anticipated catalogs in pop history, made available digitally. The Beatles last year, as you recall, digitally remastered all of their CDs. They sold over two million in one week. So people at EMI, their record company, can only imagine how fast their digital catalog would sell if it was available on iTunes. They also put out that rock band video game last year, which was tremendously successful. But in terms of making their music available as MP3 files in iTunes, that is not going to happen real soon, it looks like. Greg, that, of course, is one of your favorite songs, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. Gaga recently was nominated for a record-breaking 13 
MTV Video Music Awards, which, irony of ironies, MTV.com is no longer able to show any of her videos. The Universal Music Group, one of the biggest major labels in the world, and the home of Lady Gaga and the Black Eyed Peas and, and hundreds of other acts that MTV cares about, is at war now with MTV over the rights to uh, air its clips online. I say online, that that's the major way MTV yeah. airs music these days, right. because Lord knows they don't show any more videos on television. Universal has pulled all of its artists off of the MTV websites. Why? Behind the scenes, MTV has been negotiating with a new entity called Vivo, which is a lot like Hulu. It's a service started by Universal, as well as Sony Music, as well as Google. And really, what isn't Google involved in these days? This new Hulu-like video service would be the middleman between the record company, representing the artists, and MTV.com and its other websites. MTV is balking at the idea of having this entity in there, which would sell ads. And the money would go back to the labels and the owners, you know, Sony, Universal, and Google again. And MTV would be losing a cut of the profit. Let's remember, one of the most interesting business models ever in the history of media, MTV comes along and says, we'll play your clips. You spend millions of dollars Mm. to make these videos. We'll play them, and you should just give them to us for free while we sell advertising and make all the money because it's free advertising for your artists. Well, now you can go and find Lady Gaga videos in lots of places on the web, right? You don't have to go to MTV.com. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this if they come to some sort of an agreement by playing chicken because by losing all the universal acts, MTV.com now has a lot of dark spaces where there used to be those little video clickers, right? The Sony deal expires in the fall. Will Sony do the same thing and pull all of its artists off of MTV? If this happens and no compromise comes down, it could really be the death of MTV finally as any sort of power in the music world. Yeah, election time's coming. Who you gonna vote for? Yeah. If I was president, uh-huh. I'd get elected on Friday, yeah. assassinated on Saturday, buried on Sunday, yeah. they go back to work on Monday. If I was president, if I was president, if I was president, yeah. Greg, I think when Wycliffe John, former leader of the Fugees and mediocre rap solo artist of late, first sang about wanting to be president, we didn't take him very seriously. And as this story has unfolded in recent weeks, I still wasn't taking it seriously. But it seems as if Wycliffe John has filed to run for president of the country of Haiti when it votes on November 28th. Haiti, of course, has has been plagued with problems, the the endemic poverty, health woes, the earthquake in January. He uh, went down there and tried to raise some relief money for earthquake relief. However, his long-running foundation, his charity, the Yele Haiti Foundation, has been under fire for years for misusing funds. And Wyclef also, you know, has some problems in this country. He apparently owes uh, $5.2 million in back taxes to the IRS. Ouch. Not really filling his obligations to this country, not really doing much for Haiti yet, but he thinks he can do something for Haiti. He has filed officially to run. He says, my whole country, my whole life, he was raised there. Since I was a kid, the country has had political turmoil. The reason why is there's never been one person who can unite all the parties and get them to work together. He thinks he's the man for the job. (laughs) Well, Wycliffe is not the first guy to run for political office from the pop arena. I mean, in recent decades, we have had 
high-profile campaigns by uh, Nirvana's Chris Novoselic. He ran for a, a county clerk's job in uh, the state of Washington. He lost, but got a lot of publicity out of that. And the Dead Kennedys, Jello Biafra, has run not only for the mayor of San Francisco, but for the president of the United States yeah. in 2000, in that same party that Ralph Nader eventually won the nomination for. Well, don't forget Kinky Friedman down in Texas. He's run for office any number of times, the, the crazy cowboy. Very true, but these seem to be sort of frivolous, outsider type of attempts, but there have actually been pop performers that have actually held an office or been appointed to one. Sonny Bono, for example, uh, shares other half. Now, not only the mayor of Palm Springs for a few years in California, but also the representative of the the 44th Congressional District, Jim, in California. Well, and he drove home a lot of the copyright reforms that favor big Hollywood, big media. Yeah, I mean, talk about swinging to the right, right? We also have Peter Garrett, the front man for Midnight Oil. Australian Minister for the Environment, Heritage, and the Arts after serving in the House of Representatives there. Pretty big deal. And the one that blows my mind is Jeff Skunk Baxter, who was nominated by Congressman Kurt Weldon to become the chair for the Civilian Advisory Board for Ballistic Missile Defense. I'm sorry. (laughs) The idea of a doobie brother sitting on a committee that has anything to do with ballistic missiles really unsettles me. You are listening to Sound Opinions. Professor, what's another word for pirate treasure? Them's my treasure, and I'm a burying them where no one will know where they're at but me. Oh, we love that introductory music, Greg. It means it's time for one of our periodic installments of a show we called Buried Treasures. You know, we spend a lot of time covering all sorts of things in the music world. We try to give you Lady Gaga to the underground. This is our show specifically devoted to us digging into that pile. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's always a pile of 100 CDs in a milk crate on my desk. Those are the things I'm really excited about, mm-hmm. playing for pleasure, but don't always have time or, or energy to write about or talk about on the radio. This is our show devoted to that. It is indeed, Jim, and it's a great opportunity to showcase stuff that we kind of stumble into sometimes as well, as I did with this band. Uh, just last weekend, I was at Lollapalooza and caught a set early in the day by this trio out of Austin, Texas, called Harlem. They put out a record earlier this year on the Matador label that I just caught up with called Hippies that I ended up loving, especially after seeing their live set. Trio, switching instruments all the time, telling jokes, mostly self-deprecating about each other, and playing this kind of ramshackle but highly tuneful brand of garage rock. Hooks, hooks, hooks. I mean, these guys write them. They pack a lot into in a very small space. The key to the band are the back-and-forth songwriting of t- these two longtime friends. They met in high school, started playing together in Tucson, Arizona, Curtis O'Mara and Michael Coomers. O'Mara kind of writes the brighter, happier songs. Coomers writes the darker stuff. I'm going to play one of the brighter ones. The one thing they share in common is they're both incredibly energetic and upbeat, and as I said, those hooks just keep coming at you. Here's a song from the second album by Harlem called Hippies. It's a song called Friendly Ghost on Sound Opinions. I'm 
Friendly Ghost from Harlem on Sound Opinions, my first buried treasure. Jim, what do you got? Greg, I'm going to Norway. All right. <laughs> there is a fellow named Kim Hyrter, who is a well-known Renaissance man in that part of the world, an electronic musician, a graphic designer, an illustrator, a filmmaker, a writer, who also dabbles in performance art. He was doing a performance art piece a couple of years ago in Sweden when he met up with two female musicians from Sweden and another from Finland and put together this group called Driven, D-R-I-V-A-N. They are out with their first album called Disco, D-I-S-K-O, and it is a fascinating mix of sounds. They are starting with traditional Swedish folk music. Think of the backwoods, dark, droning, Mm -hmm. pagan rituals, injecting a bit of 70s Swedish progressive rock. There was a band from there called Kaipa that was big in the days of Yes and Genesis, okay? But there's this electronic sensibility, these burbling electronic rhythms and a kind of ambient wash over everything that sometimes you think, well, it sounds like an old scratchy vinyl LP playing. And other times you think, those are all the weird insects and critters that are out in the dark woods while I'm doing these evil things in this clearing. It is a great, wonderful middle-of-the-night vibe on this record, enhanced all the more so by the fact that they're singing in Swedish. I have no idea what they're singing about the press release tells us it is all songs about the themes of collectivity and the salvation of something through destruction. (laughs) I like that. I don't know if they're really delivering it, but I love this music. This is a track called Lot Det Va by Driven on Sound Opinions.
I'm loving that, Greg. That is Driven with Lot Dead Va from the album Disco on Sound Opinions. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we'll play more of our buried musical treasures. And later on, Greg and I will review the new rock release from Welsh crooner Tom Jones. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis here. We're running down some of our buried treasures, some music that has fallen beneath the mainstream radar in the last few months but that deserves your attention. And I'm going to turn my attention to a electro-punk duo named Crystal Castles. Toronto band, Ethan Kath and uh, Alice Glass, they met six years ago when Kath walked in on a performance by Glass's Riot Girl punk band. She was at this old-style punk bar, and her band was playing, and she was being heckled by these 40-something ex-punk rockers in the audience, and she was spitting beer at them. And <laughs> Ethan Kath goes, i got to form a band with this girl. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're in Crystal Castles, and it was kind of a mistake in a lot of ways. They put out a demo tape that had a recording of Glass doing a mic check over an electronic loop. It got released as a single in the UK, of all things, and turned the band into a mini sensation over there. The band has been able, was able to tour in the UK on the back of that single and is now going on to make their second full-length album. They consider this one their official first release in a lot of ways because it was the first album of theirs. It was really conceived as an album, and it makes some strides. Their initial music was very abrasive, very noisy. They included some atmospheric and melodic elements on this record that I think really expand the horizons for what this band can do. They've already got a great live show, and now I think they've really nailed it in the studio with their second self-titled album. I'm going to play a track from it called Baptism. It's from Crystal Castles on Sound Opinions.
That is Baptism from Crystal Castle's second album, one of my buried treasures. Jim, you're next up. Well, I just want to point out first, Greg, you and I, these buried treasure shows bring out our competitiveness Mm -hmm. as no others. And I got to the Crystal Castles first. Thank you very much when I saw them in 2008 at South by Southwest. But good for you for playing. Congratulations, Jim. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, A band I wish I had seen at South by Southwest last March, I didn't even know they were there, is a group from Rem, France, called The Bewitched hands on the top of our heads. <laughs> this is a sextet working in the great psychedelic pop tradition that stretches from the Beach Boys of Pet Sounds through Brian Eno's pop albums up to the Flaming Lips and the Elephant Six combos. Big orchestral pop. Anthemic hooks. I think, in fact, that their hooks are so instantly infectious, makes you want to sing along before the song is even over. Nobody rivals them except for the Arcade Fire. They're that good. This is a big sound that they really deliver on. They're singing in English, even though Mm -hmm. they're from France. It's going to be instantly familiar, but there is a fresh energy here that I cannot get enough of. The album is not out until October, but there is a three-song EP out now called Hard to Cry, plus an additional song that they're floating on the net as a free sampler. I'm going to play this song out of myself, and you just tell me that you don't love this. Here it is on Sound Opinions. I was a baby who saw of myself But now I am a man who has a crazy face So then yes, it's incredible That is Out of Myself on Sound Opinions from the Bewitched Hands on the Top of Our Heads. How did I do on that, Jim? That was pretty good. They said they were going for a string of nonsensical words in the great psychedelic tradition. I'm loving that. What do you have next as your buried treasure pick? Jim, I'm going to go with a band called Sweet Apple, and uh, this album has a bit of a story behind it. It includes some names that may be familiar to our listeners or should be. One of them is the singer on the on the record, John Petkovich. He was really the initiator of this project. It came out of a very uh, dark and very difficult time in his life. He was holding a bedside vigil as his mom died of cancer in 2007. Very difficult time, obviously. Losing weight, couldn't sleep. In addition, he couldn't play guitar because he was suffering through some ligament damage in his right hand. So he had been away from music for a long time. And his mother's death was a, somewhat of a catharsis for him. Soon after she died, he hopped in a car and just started driving east from Cleveland, where he lives, and ended up at the house in Vermont of his friend Dave Sweetapple. Sweetapple is a bass player in the band Witch with one Jay Maskus, uh, most famously known as the guitarist in Dinosaur Jr. 
Maskus and Petkovic also go way back to the 80s punk scene. Petkovic was in a band called Death of Samantha, and Maskus was just starting Dinosaur Jr., so these two had known each other for about 20 years. So here they are in the same house together, Petkovic, Sweet Apple, and Maskus, and they say, you know, let's play some music. They named their impromptu group Sweet Apple after the bass player. They called the album Love and Destruction, and here's a song from it called Do You Remember on Sound Opinions. is Do You Remember from the band Sweet Apple, John Petkovich of uh, Cobra Verde on lead vocals, Jay Maskus of Dinosaur Jr. on drums. A little bit of a glam rock thing in there. There always is whenever Petkovich is involved with anything, Greg. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go even more in that direction. And the heck with Norway, Finland, Sweden, and (laughs) France. I am going to Detroit, USA, the Motor City. There is a band there called The Ruiners. This is a combination of great Detroit sleaze rock. Think about the Stooges and the MC5 and the wonderful tradition of that city with that garage grunge that the Cramps so famously championed and a little bit of just kind of surf 60s silliness like the Munsters, you know, when the <laughs> Munsters formed a rock and roll band. It's sexy, it's sleazy, it's dosed in, in that glam rock aesthetic, and the two front people are true characters, Liz Ruiner and Rick Ruiner. The album, Happy Birthday, 
Nasty Word, just came out on Pravda Records from Chicago. And this is a real treat for anybody who loves bubblegum and garage and likes them together. Here is a song called Love, Hate, Eat Me Alive by The Ruiners on Sound Opinions. All this love is eating me alive. All this love is eating me, eat me, eat me alive. Alive, alive, alive. Eat me alive, 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 alive. Eat me alive. All this hate is eating me Is eat me, eat me, eat me alive, alive, alive. Eat me alive, 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 alive. Eat me, yeah, come on, do it, yeah. Eat me alive, alive, alive. Love, Hate, Eat Me Alive by The Ruiners on Sound Opinions, one of Jim DeRogatis' buried treasures. If you want to share your own buried treasures on the air or comment on anything in the rock world, give us a call at 888-859-1800. You can also email us at interact at soundopinions.org or talk to us on Facebook and Twitter. We're going to be back with our final Undiscovered Gems and a review of the new album by Tom Jones. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis. We are running down our buried treasures, our final picks coming up here. That's a little bit of mine, a band called Endless Boogie with a song called Empty Eye from their second album, Full House Head. This band has been around since the 90s, and as you can tell from that sound, they love to be about 1975-ish in, in their sound <laughs> references. A lot of blues rock, a lot of references to Black Oak, Arkansas, and ZZ Top, and a lot of those southern boogie bands from back then. Well, what I think is interesting about them is they not only take that southern rock sound of the mid-70s, but they blend it with another key sound from the 70s, that German art rock trance groove, very hypnotic, very repetitive. Uh, they stretch out some songs to eight minutes on this album. One track actually goes over 20 minutes long. I love that combination of elements, those guitars from the southern rock region and those trance grooves from German art rock. They do it really well. They've been doing it for a long time. They've only put out a couple of records. Uh, Full House Head is only their second record. They've been together for more than a decade. I think it's the best thing they've done, and it's well worth checking out. Here's a track called Tarmac City from Endless Boogie on Sound Opinions. That is Tarmac City by Endless Boogie. Nice choice, Greg. My last buried treasure, I'm going to stay right here in Chicago with a talent David 
singer. He's been making music for two decades, and poor David has never fit in in whatever guise he's been playing in. Led two fine, freaky, psychedelic rock bands, Kid Million and Fix Your Wagon, that were kind of very similar to the Flaming Lips circa transmissions from the Satellite Heart. But David's a very clean-cut guy, and he was never freaky enough to really catch on with that scene. Later on, as David Singer in The Sweet Science, he made some records for Deep Elm, the emo label. But David was a little older than most emo bands and not really emo enough to fit in there either. You know, last year he finally had some unexpected success when he scored a play called August Osage County for Steppenwolf that wound up moving from Chicago to Broadway and winning five Tonys. And I think that that gave him the confidence to say, you know, I'm not going to worry about where I fit in anymore on my own records. I'm just going to make a record that pleases me. He's put out a fine one called Arrows, which finds him on the cover, much like St. Sebastian, being pricked by a million arrows. Mm -hmm. I suppose the barbs of critics and all those who would put him down. Why does this matter so much for him? This wonderful, lush, psychedelic sound he delivers, he thinks that music still means something. The song I'm going to play, Silicon, which kicks off the album, it's a complaint about a new world in which music is merely a commodity instead of that all-important, life-defining force by which you really say, this is who I am, this is the music I love. What happened to that? You and I still think that way. So does David Singer. Here he is on Sound Opinions.
That's David Singer with the song Silicon from his new album, Arrows. If you'd like to see a list of all of the buried treasures from this show, go to soundopinions.org. What good am I if I'm like all the rest? If I just turn away When I see how you're dressed If I shut myself off So I can't hear you cry What good am I? Believe it or not, that is Tom Jones. Tom Jones, with his new album, At the Age of 70, he has released an album called Praise and Blame, and that is a song called What Good Am I? As you can tell, that's a little bit of a change of pace for Tom Jones. This is a man who has sold 100 million records, best known for hit songs like It's Not Unusual, What's New Pussycat, She's a Lady, Delilah. Just about everybody of a certain age remembers a TV show that he starred in, the late 60s, early 70s, where he would perform, and the ladies in the audience would toss underwear at him, shrieking all the way. This was a national phenomenon for quite some time. He went away for a bunch of years after, you know, the initial flicker of fame, made a comeback starting in the late 80s, where he did a cover of Prince's Kiss that landed him back on the pop charts. He put out an album in the early 90s, started touring rock clubs. He called the album The Lead and How to Swing It. I still love that album title. You and I saw him at Metro in Chicago, and the underwear was still flying. Indeed, and Jones never lost that ability to sort of wink at himself. But now he has made a much more low-key album. He went in the studio with Ethan Johns, the uh, producer best known for working with Kings of Leon, and he has become part of a mini cottage industry in the music industry in the last decade or so. We've seen a number of grand old men and women in the pop spectrum making albums like this one, all keying off those initial albums that Johnny Cash made with Rick Rubin. Let's bring the grand old man into the studio and let's do some older songs in kind of a low-key, back-to-basic setting. And we've heard this uh, lately from artists ranging from Loretta Lynn to Neil Diamond to Betty LaVette to Tony Joe White. Gil Scott Heron, even Robert Plant when he did that record with Alison Krauss a couple of years ago. Well, and in some ways, Tony Bennett kicked it all off years ago when he went to MTV. Exactly. So it's a lucrative career move. It's brought a lot of these artists back into the spotlight. Does it work for Tom Jones? We're going to find out in a minute when we review Praise and Blame. But let's hear a track from it first. It is a cover of John Lee Hooker's Burning Hell by Tom Jones on Sound Opinions. I'm going down to the church house Get down on my bended knee Deacon Jones Pray for me Deacon Jones Please pray for me Maybe there ain't no hell Maybe there ain't no hell Maybe there ain't no heaven No burning hell Oh! 
I'm going down to the crossroads with no devil. Well, I'll make a deal. I'm going down to the crossroads with no devil. Well, I'll make a deal. Maybe there ain't no hell, no burning hell. Maybe there ain't no heaven, no burning hell. That is Burning Hell by Tom Jones from his new attempted comeback album, Praise and Blame. You know, Greg, Steve Carell is an incredibly talented comedic actor. I wouldn't want to limit him in his attempts to be a talent, but I don't want to hear him do Hamlet. You know what I mean? Mm. It would just be wrong. You're Steve Carell. You're supposed to be funny. Well, Tom Jones, you are Tom Jones, and you are supposed to be campy, smarmy, Sexy, but knowing that you're also kind of ludicrous, especially at age 70. To go back to the folk songs of your youth in Wales, to go to a John Lee Hooker song, the baritone is still there, your voice is still there, but it's just wrong. It just <laughs> should not be applied to these songs. We rate these albums on Buy It, Burn It, Trash It. I love Tom Jones. We had a great time when we saw him in the 90s. But this album is a loser. This is a trash it record. It's uh, it's really silly for Tom Jones to be starting to take himself seriously after all these years. What I loved about Tom Jones is he never really took himself that seriously. I mean, he had that big beefy voice and that persona that was kind of larger than life. What about the chest and, hair? It, yeah. the, the rug of chest <laughs> and hair and the sweat and everything. You know, and it was a persona that he embraced. He owned it, and people loved him for it. I mean, when we saw that club tour that he did a number of years ago, it, it worked on that level. It was just a good, campy, good time. Well, yeah, there were 20-something Alterna kids, and then there were their parents, age 50 and 60, and everybody was loving Tom, and everybody was throwing their knickers at him. And, and I gotta say, Jim, I don't think he has a feel for this stuff. It doesn't feel authentic at all to him. It doesn't feel sincere to him in the way that, say, Johnny Cash. You could tell when Johnny Cash started performing those old gospel and blues songs, those meant a lot to him because he grew up with them, and in a way, he was singing them his entire life. I feel like Jones is doing this strictly for career reasons as a way of being taken seriously in his later years, but I'm afraid it doesn't work at all. It's a trash record. It's not unusual to be loved by anyone. It's not unusual to have fun with anyone But when I see you hanging about with anyone It's not unusual to see me cry As much as it pains us, that is a double trash it for Tom Jones. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Jim, it is time to do a classic album dissection. This time we're going to take a look at T-Rex's Electric Warrior. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say. Our intern is Julia Mullen-Gordon. If she was a Tom Jones song, it would be She's a Lady. 
Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, what's new, Pussycat, and Jason Saldana. It's not unusual. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, is Tori Southside Malatia, who is Thunderball. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. Come on and answer your phone. Answer your phone. Pick up the receiver. I know that you're at home. New messages. Hi, Tim and Greg. I, this is Shira calling from Washington, D.C., and I wanted to thank you for your recent podcast with Stephen Street. Um, I grew up in the 90s, and I was a huge Britpop fan and always really disappointed that it never caught on in the U.S., but I did convince my European history teacher to let me do a project where I used Blur and Oasis as a starting point to explain the class conflict between the middle class and the working class in England. So thanks for bringing back all the great memories. I definitely put on Park Life right after I finished listening to the podcast. Hey guys, what's up? This is Anthony from New York City. I uh, love the Steve Malkmus interview. Got all excited. And I loved hearing Steve Malkmus's voice. I mean, he is just, he's got that West Coast advantage like you wouldn't believe. Man, that guy, I don't think that guy has high blood pressure. He's got low blood pressure. Just listen to his voice. After Wowie Zowie, which I was really proud of and I thought it was really good, like when I finished it. People didn't really like it very much, like on the critical side. A lot of my friends did, so that was enough. It was kind of a sales disappointment and normal stuff that bands go through, like Rush did for Crest of Steel. The reason why he loved Wowie Zowie when it was done is because he was stoned. Come on. Love the interview. It's just funny to hear his voice. Later. Hi, this is Alan in Chicago. That was a great piece on Chess Records and Chicago's role and important influence. Greg, it sounded like you did uh, most of the reporting on that, and you proved once again that I think you're a better reporter than you are a critic because your taste is lacking. When it came to the part where you guys each selected a song Jim's pick as usual was great see you later alligator and Greg your pick was way less than great the first time I met the blue he and I was walking I was walking down through the woods yeah Overall, 
I enjoy the show and listen every week. Jim and Greg, uh, this is Todd from Robbins, North Carolina. I was responding to what a caller said here probably a couple of weeks ago where he said that uh, Paul McCartney jumped the shark apparently after the Beatles split up. And I just wanted to call and and, uh, respectfully disagree. If you follow the progress of Wings from the very first album to the very last album, you notice they they just kept on improving to where during the time that uh, Jimmy McCulloch and Joe English were the guitarist and drummer, they hit their peak. Yes, indeed, we know that people will find a way to go no matter what the man says. Love is fine for all we know, for all we know our love will grow. That's what the man says. So won't you listen to what the man says? He said. Anyway, just thought I'd uh, call and voice my opinion. Uh, you guys take care, and I always enjoy listening to you. Bye. No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.